0: Welcome to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Casperson. Welcome everybody, I am Dr. Casperson. I am doing December's live podcast recording right now with coffee in hand. New things for the podcast for my doctors, nurse practitioners, people who get CME is you can now get CME for listening to the podcast. You basically like reflect your thoughts on whatever the topic of the podcast is and you pay a very nominal fee. It's like $10 for one hour of CME, which is even faster if you listen to me at uh, 1.5 speed. So I have so many questions uh, that people have typed in. So I'm just going to start going through and seeing what we can get accomplished in like half an hour 40 minutes if you are on my email list you got a email I think it was last week about um, the link hello from Canada rock on Um, and then you can come on to the zoom link because this is actually a webinar that I'm doing and if you want to be coached live so bonus points for being on the email list you get to be coached live so otherwise if you're watching me on Instagram welcome and just type in your questions if you have any as usual I always say this is not individual medical advice I am rarely uh, your doctor and this is for entertainment and educational purposes only so now we know seek your own medical counsel you guys Um, but I the, the coolest thing is the amount of people that have come up to me to say that they've seen their doctor, their provider, because of the information they've gotten from the podcast or from the Instagram, and they're able to get started on vaginal estrogen cream or hormone therapy, or talk to their partner about sex or try something differently um, for intimacy, whatever it might be because of the information they got here. That is so i'm I'm reading um like a monk by Jay Shetty. I'll probably put a link in my monthly email um, next month. Like a Monk by Jay Shetty, he's amazing. He talks about living your dharma. So basically the dharma the dharma is like being in your zone of genius and, but helping the world. Like it's like you're in your flow but you're helping the world at the same time. And I'm like, oh my god, this podcast and this Instagram and educating women to have these conversations is my dharma. So here I am. That's why I hang out with you and love going live. So here we go. Question number one. I've been to so many doctors here and no one can figure out what's wrong with me. I woke up with pelvic pain a year ago. My life has spiraled out of control. I've always been super healthy. Um, I had bladder discomfort, turned into vaginal symptoms, like something stuck in my vagina. Pain at the vestibule. For people who are not certain about that on video, you can see vestibule is the entrance or the part of the vulva, the the entrance or the doorway of the vagina. So that's a vestibule. pain there and irritation. I've tried Imvexi, um, which is a low-dose vaginal estrogen uh, prescription for people who aren't in America or don't know this. Um, I was on that for three months. I still had symptoms, so my urogyne says it's vulvodynia. I flew to a urologist who specializes in embedded UTIs, and he diagnosed that without an exam and put me on antibiotics for a year. Yikes, I have many thoughts about that. Don't, I always look at all uh, the always, I always look at the vulva and the vagina. Unless you're coming to me for like a kidney stone or something. But it's like, you've got to look at the anatomy. It's like going to the doctor for your ear pain and the doctor not looking at your ear. Come on. Okay, so, uh, after four months of taking the antibiotics, the vaginal symptoms got worse. So I stopped. Do you think this can be hormonal? I'm only 44 years old. Um, I appreciate any advice you have. Um... God bless. So first of all, this is not normal. There's something going on. We just haven't figured it out yet. I doubt antibiotics is the solution. Doesn't sound like you have any culture-proven bacterial infections, so I really question that one. Uh, And 44, yeah, 44 certainly can be perimenopause. It can be menopause for some people. There's no, there's no, like, too young in this world. you can go through menopause in your late 30s. It's called early menopause. But so at 44, you can certainly start having vulvar symptoms. I would see somebody that specializes in vulvodynia. So vulvodynia just means pain of the vulva. It doesn't tell you why, it doesn't tell you how to fix it. It just says you have pain in your vulva. So This sounds more than vulvodynia, because again, vulvodynia, pain located just in the vulva, and if you're also having pelvic floor or vaginal pressure, heaviness, or something else going on, seeing somebody who can evaluate your muscles, your skin, your hormones, your Probably going to need to see a couple of people, but the embedded UTI antibiotics for a year, probably not that. When I would see this person, I would be very curious about what their tissue of their vulva looks like. Does it look like low estrogen? We could check hormones just to get a baseline and see. But yeah, waking up with pelvic pain, again, to me, that I'm like, what's going on with your back? Do we have back and hip injuries? What's going on? So just think of like a comprehensive approach when we have these pelvic pain issues. Um, Plug for Dr. Erwin Goldstein. He's a urologist. He practices in San Diego sexual medicine. Um, San Diego... SanDiegoSexMed.com, I'm forgetting his website, but he actually offers a free um, phone call for pelvic pain uh, sex issues, so you could check him out just to run it by him. He's a total expert. Um, Jill Kraft, K-R-A-P-F, uh, she's on Instagram, Jill Kraft MD, does tons of stuff about vulvodynia. She's East Coast, so plug for her. Um, living with this because you saw two people that didn't help you, to me, would be not the solution. So keep... keep trying to seek this out, figure out what's going on. Help is on its way. Um, Instagram person says, vaginal estrogen is great. How about systemic? Who needs it? Um, Anybody who is uh, menopause or postmenopause, who is healthy and doesn't have a contraindication, it prevents osteoporosis, it treats hot flashes, it so many it decreases your cardiovascular risk especially if you're in the ages of 50 to 60. we know that people on menopause uh, hormone therapy have decreased cardiovascular risk they have decreased colon cancer they have less uh, anxiety and um, memory issues so who needs it lots of people but you don't have to have it this is all a choice you guys it's all a choice it's like Uh, So it's just educating yourself is the first step. Knowing that it's safe in the majority of women, knowing that it helps the majority of women. Um, Certainly we are not at a point in our country where we're over treating menopause. We are significantly under treating menopause in our country, probably will be for the next 10 years. baby boomers have kind of missed the boat. Again, if you're more than 10 years past your last period, you have certainly increased risks of starting hormones. So this is really a Gen X now that's going to start being the advocates for menopause therapy. So God bless you all. I don't know if that answered your question. Was that close enough? Let's see. Next one, if a menopausal woman wants to take estrogen, which is the correct one? I know the vaginal cream is great for vaginal health, but is this enough or does one need a systemic dose? For those who follow me and listen to like all of my stuff, do I sound like I'm just on repeat? Because like there's so much education that needs to happen. Vaginal estrogen is not enough for your body. Literally, it doesn't go in your body. Um, Systemic hormones... That's goes in your body, so your brain, your heart, your gut, your bones, your muscles, all that the inner ear, everything has estrogen receptors in it. So we talk about two types of estrogen. We talk about vaginal and systemic. So the question further was, how about um, the the question further was different types. So patch or topical, we think is safer than oral. Most experts say instead of oral estrogen, which tends to have more, risks than patch so patch creams um only to confuse them the matter because this is confusing but you guys are smart and you can handle confusing things there is a vaginal ring that is systemic it's called fem ring in uh in contrast to the s string which is also a vaginal ring which is only vaginal dosing so not saying that to confuse you just saying you can handle you can handle uh, difficult concepts. So you, there is one vaginal ring you can put in your vagina and it's enough estrogen to get systemically. But there's also a vaginal ring that you can put in your vagina that's just for your pelvis or your vagina. Okay, do I need to go to my gynecologist for my yearly exam if I had a complete hysterectomy five years ago? I always do my yearly mammogram ultrasound. Please advise. Thank you for getting your yearly mammograms. I won't start people. My clinic has a policy. We don't start people on menopause hormones unless they've had mammograms. We need to make sure your breasts are okay. Um, And it's amazing now that I've started doing this, how many women don't get mammograms? Go get the, it's just an x ray and it doesn't hurt. Even if you have small breasts, I have very small breasts. I get my mammograms. It's completely doable. Um, Okay, so up to your uh, it's up to your gynecologist the guidelines change all the time and again I'm not a gynecologist so I'm assuming with this question complete hysterectomy means you've had your cervix removed so you don't need screening for cervical cancer Uh, I'm assuming that's what that means but I would check in just ask your gynecologist hey how much longer do I need to keep doing this Also for you, did you give us us your age? You did not give us your age. I would start, I'd still meet with them and ask them about hormones. It's not a bad idea to just check in with primary care or gynecology every year to check about hormones, stuff like that. Is there a progesterone cream? Great question. Progesterone is poorly absorbed through the skin. That is why there is no FDA approved progesterone cream. Now, you can go on the internet and buy progesterone cream, and you can also get compounded progesterone cream. The guidelines advise against it, because you don't know what you're getting. It could be a way low dose. And we have seen, why, pop quiz, why do you need to be on progesterone if you are on systemic estrogen? It's to protect your uterus. So you don't have to do it if you don't have a uterus, hysterectomy. Um, and what we do see on the compounded progesterones is that women are getting endometrial cancer because they're not truly protecting their uterus if they're on estrogen cream. So estrogen, sorry, estrogen systemically, not cream. Um, Estrogen increases your risk of uterine cancer because it proliferates the uterine lining. That's what it's supposed to do. That's what it does when you get normal cyclical periods. So you have to protect your uterine lining with progesterone, oral, there's also a vaginal, oral is the standard way of doing it it's like 100 milligrams of micronized progesterone at night very 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 safe Um, but that is why buyer beware with any progesterone cream is because it's not fda approved because molecularly we can't absorb it properly so you still have a risk of uh, endometrial cancer if you are not on progesterone and you're taking supplemental menopause estrogen so you guys are so smart you can handle all of this. This is like, this is tough stuff. Like I had to learn this and you just have to like keep hearing it over and over to know how you ask. But literally like maybe my dharma is just telling people what the difference between vaginal and systemic estrogen is at this point in my life. Okay, here we go. Hi doctor. I'm hoping you can help me to find appropriate care for my partner. She's a two-time mother in her late thirties with anxiety, chronic back pain, toxic familial relationships, and no libido, among a myriad of other stressors. She has yet to be connected with an appropriate counselor, After and after hearing your podcast, I've been tumbling down rabbit holes online to seek information to help fix it. So where can I look to get her to the best care suited to her needs and the support and motivate her through the process? First of all, I love this person. Thanks for reaching out. Um, she's so lucky to have such a supportive, I'm assuming, male partner, but again, I'm assuming... Um, I think we touched on this, this question touches on a lot of things. So women, one is the myth that women with low libido need to be fixed, right? A lot of guys, again, I, I stereotype, a lot of guys will do this. They'll like, they'll try to fix their partner's low libido. Low libido does not exist in a vacuum. Here we are talking about a mom. So she's already busy and in mom mode, right? Mom mode is not When you're momming, you're not being an open receptive, receptive sexual being, right? Like there's two different hats that we wear. Um, So already we have somebody that might take some time to switch into a sexual being from being in mom mode, right? Respect that. Um, Chronic back pain, when you're in pain, you don't, aren't feeling sexy. You aren't feeling receptive to your sexual being. Um, anxiety so with anxiety we're living in the future right we're not living in the moment with anxiety you have to be in the moment to be an open receptive sexual being right so we have that going on toxic familiar relationships which means she's very involved with some stressors in her family so all of that plays a part into our libido and our interest in sex and all of this stuff so to me it's like it's we can't fix people we can help them, we can suggest things, we can try to share the burden and share the load, we can listen to them, but we can't fix them. You can't give her a high libido. Even if you were to give her something that you know can increase libido, there's two FDA approved medications and there's testosterone. Um, all of this other stuff is still her life. Truthfully, whether you wanna hear this or not, she has to make the decision of how she wants to live. Do you wanna live in this chronic, anxiety, back pain, familiar relationship, poorly managing stress, cuz that's a choice. Or do you want to say, "Hold on, this is not the life I want to live. I want to do something about it." The power really is in her. Your job is to support her, love her, help her see that, help her see her power in that. But without addressing all of that, just to say, "How can I get how can I get my spouse to sleep with me more?" It's not going to work. She's going to see that as a to-do. She's going to see that as just one more burden and she's not. it's not going to work well. So that's what I would uh, say for that. Um, really helping her realize her power, right? Stepping away from toxic relationships. Learning how to deal with stress. Learning how to have boundaries with momming and intimacy. I want intimacy in my life. You must prioritize it. Intimacy is not going to come and be like, hey, I'm here. Like you have to prioritize that time you have to prioritize the interest in that in your life is hyaluronic acid vaginal gel as good as estriol no <laughs> one's a band-aid one's a fix um, hyaluronic acid is awesome it's a great vulvar moisturizer great vaginal moisturizer i'm not against it but hormones literally change the tissue quality for the better increasing blood flow increasing collagen increasing elasticity they're not equal I wouldn't say hyaluronic acid is as good, but it depends. What are you, are you just looking for like immediate comfort and soothing? Might be as good. Are you looking for like a long-term improved skin? There you go. It's kind of like saying like, is a suntan... this is not a good analogy. Is a suntan as good as wearing bronzer? Well, one damages your skin and one's just like a temporary fix. So like they're totally different, but they both might add color to your skin. I don't know. That wasn't a great metaphor. There you go. Um. What vulvar moisturizers do you recommend other than replens? Again, anything with hyaluronic acid is really good. Right here, I have these samples here. Shout out to Fem Pharma. What do I got? These are these are things I just have at my desk. So these are Intimate Skin Moisturizers by um, Fem Pharma. This is Personal Lubricant Moisturizers by Fem Pharma. Let's see if I have any of these that are open. Here we go. It's just a single intimate skin moisturizer, single s- single serving. Uh, th- and this is called Satisfem. You can find this online at Fempharma. Um, a lot of people really, really like this. This was made by a woman. This is a woman-owned company who has been in the pharmaceutical arena for a very long time. Fempharma Consumer Healthcare was born of the desire to reinvent women's healthcare experiences. Intimate skin moisturizer. Contains multiple hydrating ingredients in a discreet compact package self-care for your intimate skin anytime anywhere not to be used as a lubricant so this is moisturizer not lube for sex so there you go just because i had it at my desk that's what you get if you're next to my desk um all right next one i don't know if you can answer this for me i think i have vaginal atrophy but two doctors so far said no my clitoral area looks frayed the only way to describe it it feels thin and not protected and so painful if touched. What can I do to help improve this? I also have pain on sitting and pain with sex. Okay, so great question. I'm not sure how old this person is. Certainly age would be a factor. If you said you were 22, I'd be thinking less vaginal atrophy and more vulvodynia. Um, but vaginal atrophy, the new word for that is genital urinary syndrome of menopause or symptoms of menopause and it's hormonal. It's because you have low estrogen, right? So I might want to know age. I can tell by just looking at a vulva because I'm bad experienced at vaginal atrophy um, if you look like you have low estrogen or not. But I would look at an exam. I'm curious why the other doctor said no. Is it because of your age? Is it because they're vulvar experts and can tell? um, Clitoral area looks frayed. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. But it feels uh, thin and not protected and painful when touched. So to me, why not try it? Like why not try it? Hormones, um, hormones in the vulva and vagina are very, very, very safe. So. The other thing to think about is if you are young, so say you are in your mid-twenties, if you are on um, birth control, specifically like oral birth control pills, some people, not everybody, but some people will have a drop in, it's like a hormone blocker almost, so their vulva can get very thin. It can also almost look atrophied. Um, You can get thinning of the labia minora, thinning of the clitoral hood, just thinning of the tissue integrity. So certainly, I'd be curious, did your doctors do an exam before they said no? I'd be curious about that too. So I have more questions than answered, but it certainly could be vaginal atrophy, but it also could be um, other skin conditions, lichen sclerosis, just vulvodynia, hormone mediated, vestibulodynia, all that stuff. What is estrogen dominance? Estrogen dominance is part of its, Heather Hirsch has a good thing on estrogen dominance. She's a menopause expert friend of mine in at Harvard. It is a, The internet likes to market to your insecurities and telling you that you are dominant or not. Um, So that's part of what you're seeing on the internet with hormone dominance. Um, There's lots of books on it. There is no dominance in a woman who has cycles, right? Because she has estrogen and then it goes down and then she has her period. And so like, there is no steady state of hormones when you're in your normal cycling menstrual life. There's always something that's higher or lower because that's the way we were made. Like high estrogen, high testosterone goes back down all the time. There's never a steady state. Now, when you're in menopause, your estrogen is low, 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 low. There's no estrogen dominance in menopause. You make no estrogen, very, very little estrogen. So hopefully that was... People make millions of dollars off you guys not knowing anything. Okay, buyer beware. Um, using estradiol, vaginal tablets, 10 milligrams, a couple times a week. Also have diagnosis of lichen sclerosis. Okay. If you have diagnosis of lichen sclerosis, estrogen is good. I do like the cream on the labia because I think the tabs in the vagina doesn't put a tab of sunscreen in my ear. My nose doesn't get sunscreen on it, which is why I like creams more. Um, also has, uh, make sure you're on a steroid to suppress the lichen sclerosis. Okay. What else? Hi, I heard you on uh, Sonia Wright's podcast. She's awesome, midlife sex coach for women. Sonia Wright, she's been on my podcast twice. Shout out, she's amazing. You spoke about a vaginal estrogen that comes in a pill form. Can you give me the name so I can ask my doctor? Uh, Vagifem is like the brand name of it. I think it also comes in generic at this point. So something to look into. Let me just check my webinar here. Uh, You've talked about systemic estrogen, progesterone. If you take one of them, should you be taking all three, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone? And can you talk about testosterone again and whether doctors will prescribe the men's testosterone to women? Good question. So you don't need progesterone if you don't have a uterus. That one's easy. You don't need to be on testosterone, Um, but you can. It's a little harder to come by a doctor who's going to prescribe testosterone. They have to be comfortable. Um with that, there are national guidelines, international guidelines on testosterone. At this point, if you go to um, Ishwish, I, do I have that on my Instagram um, link tree? I might. The uh, guidelines on t- to dosing testosterone for postmenopausal women for um, low desire. So what you do, I would get that paper and bring that paper to your doctor. So, that's my step one so um, and it is you can get it testosterone two different ways there's no FDA approved testosterone for women for women's dosing so we use the quote-unquote male dose um, which is one tenth the dose which is dirt cheap because it's one-tenth the male product so test them on 1% you dose it instead of one packet a day which is the uh, male dose it's one packet dosed. in in 10 days, so one packet should take you 10 days to use. Always check your testosterone before you get started so you know where it is, check it after three months to see if you need more or less, depending upon your symptoms. Again, no FDA approved indication, except for low desire in postmenopausal women, but a lot of women on testosterone say they feel like themselves, they feel energetic, they've got their muscle mass back, they feel more vibrant. Women have testosterone and that testosterone goes down with menopause we just don't talk about it as much it is not as researched so i hope that that answered your questions um if you're on the live webinar and you want to do uh, coaching raise your hand uh, otherwise i will keep coming back and checking the answers not being can not being sexually active be a negative factor to pelvic muscles i don't know There's lots of people who aren't sexually active and I never want to should them into being sexually active for muscle tone, right? Um, Certainly sexual activity uh, and orgasm is a pelvic floor muscle contraction. So I think it is, the more orgasms you have, probably the stronger your muscles are. I have not seen a research paper on this, um, but certainly that makes sense. The more you contract your muscles, the stronger they are. But I would never, I'm not in the business of telling people they need to have sex for pelvic floor health um i think you should have sex and have know how to have orgasms and feel great because it's a it's it's an amazing part of your body and living life as a human and it's great personal growth to figure out like what has society told women about sex and does that serve me at this point in my life or not right so i think they're like sexual wellness and sexual health is like the pinnacle of personal growth like you figure out your sexuality and what works for you and how to communicate it you are a different person than the person that was like hiding or thinking it was a chore or didn't like it or was doing it for somebody else right it's the person you become on that journey that changes you there's no there there as the Buddhists say what's the best way to check hormone levels just blood work don't spend thousands of dollars on swabbing your cheek or your urine we know those are inaccurate we know people just make money off of you doing that I'm here to have you save your money um, thank you for responding to my question I wonder if you can chat more about the cavernous nerve yeah so I did a podcast on what was it? It was looking at hysterectomy and the effect on sexual function and not there not being a lot of research on the nerves that run right along the cervix that can get severed with, for hysterectomy. I'm not a gynecologist. I'm speaking outside my zone of expertise, but that's like the gist as I remember it. So somebody had uh, uh, written in to say, could a C-section affect those nerves? Again, I'm not a gynecologist. I don't do those surgeries. But if we're talking about a nerve getting injured alongside the cervix, the C-section is in the front of the uterus, nowhere near the cervix or those, no- those nerves. So I would say no. Um, if what you're asking is, you know, is my libido changed since I had a baby? Like, hell yes. Might not have to do specifically with the C-section. It might have to do with all the hormones that go along with having a baby and the stress and the sleepless nights and the prolactin and the lack of estrogen and the dry vulva and vagina all of that so the c-section in and of itself probably uh not affecting nerve function like a complete abdominal hysterectomy would would where you'd be more prone to damage some pelvic nerves which again are not highly researched um but i hope that that makes sense okay what else do we got how do you know if you're low on estrogen? Is there a test or just based on symptoms? Um, if you're 60, you're low on estrogen. By definition, you're post By definition, this means low estrogen. So like, does a 60 year old or 70 year old need to get tested for hormones? No, because it's just, it's. if you wanna just look at your level below, go for it. Um, but now what if you're 48, right? Or 42, or you're just not sure where you are, or you know what, maybe I'm breezing through menopause, but I really want to be on hormones to protect my heart and my bones and decrease my risk of colon cancer and decrease my risk of dementia, right? You might, you're not feeling those things. So certainly you can go just get your estradiol tested, um, and see if, see if that, how they're going. Is your book out yet? Oh, God bless you. Save your money on those saliva tests and buy my book when it comes out in 2022. All you lovely people who want to spend money on shit that doesn't matter. Buy it of my book. That matters. Uh, I'm editing round three and it's causing me anxiety and personal growth. You want personal growth? Write a book. <laughs> like you will challenge your like perfectionist tendencies and worrying about what other people are going to think. And what if there's a mistake in there? What if somebody hates it? What if I get a bad review on Amazon? Right. So we want personal growth. Figure out your sexuality. Own it discover it and write a book. There you go. Why don't doctors offer any of this education during checkups? Frustrating. Amen. God bless. 100% agree. Here's the thing. Western medicine... Oh God, where do I start? We get paid by insurance companies. Insurance companies don't pay us for educating people. Insurance companies pay us for the complexity of the problem that we solve. Preventative health and educating about your body? It's not a complex problem. And we have 15 minutes. So we're not here to be like, let me show you your clitoris, like, right. Like me taking the time to do these podcasts and these Instagram lives is literally my Dharma into the universe, because I kid you not, if you come to see me in my clinic, I will not spend this much time with you. Like I can't do it. That's not how doctor's offices are set up unless you go to a doctor. That's usually cash based, uh, doesn't use insurance. Right. Which God bless, but that's not how my office works. Um, But yeah, think about how little people know about menopause, plus how scared people are of estrogen, and then try to inform somebody in 15 minutes that not only is it safe and doesn't cause cancer, it's beneficial, and by the way, you need to be on this for life. You literally cannot do that in 15 minutes. So I'm like, here's my podcast, here's my YouTube, here's the books you need to read, here's my handouts, come back and talk to my PA because it's so much information, especially like think of how when you go to the doctor, I'm the same way, like you're anxious. What do I have to get naked? Uh, What if I forget something? What if I forget the questions I asked, Um, all that stuff. So going to, that's why like this format to educate you guys is so good because you can go in and you can like have the tools. What questions should I be armed with when I show up? Well, let's see, what do you want? Do you want hormones? Do you wanna just know where your hormones are? I want to give you some questions to bring to your doctor. So, as far as like the testosterone dosing, I'd bring that paper in, uh Ishwish guidelines testosterone for postmenopausal women for low sexual desire, just google it. No, HRT is uh not only for hot flashes and sleep. Absolutely not. Some people think it is. Some people think like if you don't have any symptoms, you don't have to be on it, which is fine. Um, you do, you, I like, listen, my platform is not just to get people on hormones. Like it's not what my, my platform is to explain as much as I can about incredibly complex stuff. That's totally individualized for you as a human without me being your doctor or actually giving you individual medical advice online. So menopause hormone therapy, previously known as hormone replacement therapy. So I always goof that up. General urinary symptoms of menopause was previously called vaginal atrophy, Menopause hormone therapy, previously called hormone replacement therapy, it's hard to keep up, but uh, we all make mistakes. So it's good for hot flashes, it's good for sleep, but all the things you cannot feel, you guys, your body is changing and aging and you can't feel all of it. So brain changes, more uh, skin changes, you lose your collagen, you have increased risk of heart disease when you don't take hormones, you have increased uh, risk of insulin resistance. You have increased risk of uh, visceral fat weight gain. You have uh, increased risk of colon cancer. All of the things. So, no, ho- menopause hormone therapy is not just for hot flashes and sleep. I'm 56 and miss my sex drive and not so fond of the flap. Yeah, so follow the Galveston diet. She's amazing. She's on Instagram. Her whole shtick is menopausal weight gain and... The data on intermittent fasting and getting rid of sugar and increasing your protein all of that stuff certainly exercise 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 not just to feel good and that it makes you feel sexy but it it, muscles are the organ of longevity so the more muscle mass you have the better you fight insulin resistance and the more calories you burn just maintaining that muscle mass so Exercise, exercise, but also hormones. 56, you're, you're probably not too old. Air quotes, probably not too uh, old to get on um, hormone replacement therapy. All now called menopause hormone therapy. So check that out. Um, also testosterone for postmenopause for low desire if you want. Check it out. I love you and you've changed my life. Oh my God, I'm a fan. That's why I keep doing this stuff. So let's see if we can get in a couple more questions. Um... I've been listening to your podcast. I've learned so much. So, before I knew better, I got the testosterone pellets. My levels jumped from 34 to 335. You guys, 335 is a male level testosterone. They don't recommend that. Um, thinking that's not very good for my body. Also, I asked for vaginal estradiol. Um, and because my mother had breast cancer, he didn't think it would be a safe option for me. Calling that out, you guys, that's bullshit. First degree relatives with breast cancer is not a contraindication to vaginal estrogen. It's actually not a contraindication to systemic estrogen. So learn, 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 Be know the data, bring it in. So that doctor does not know what they're talking about. God bless them. Um, mother with breast cancer is not a contraindication to vaginal hormone therapy. What else? I'm looking for a new doctor to help with my menopause symptoms and libido. Hey, there you go. I have a lot more I'd like to learn and I feel so much more aware of the direction I should be heading in because of the info you'd shared. Thank you so much." Oh my God, you guys, I love you. So let's see. What are your thoughts about starting hormone replacement therapy during perimenopause instead of waiting until you're confirmed a full year in menopause? Thank you. I think it's very... That's a good question. So to summarize that question, what do you think about starting uh, in perimenopause instead of waiting till you're totally through? Things you have to worry about when you're still having periods, you have to worry about getting pregnant. So you need to have a birth control plan. Menopause hormone therapy does not prevent pregnancy, right? So we need to worry about that in the perimenopause woman. Um, Certainly we got to worry about protecting the uterus with the progesterone, Maybe, um, maybe changing doses, right, after time so you might need to find a menopause expert go to uh, menopause.org find a provider you can find a nam certified menopause practitioner uh if that's North America and because they're going to be a lot more experienced with the perimenopause than postmenopause. um you might be hard pressed if you're not having symptoms right because you're still having enough estrogen that you're probably not you know in the like m- such low estrogen you're wanting to protect your bones Point being, it's individualized for everybody, but it's not crazy, especially if you're having symptoms. I put especially vulvar atrophy, which I see totally have. You can get vulvar atrophy way before you stop having your periods. And think of all the people who don't have periods too, right? Like ablations, IUDs, hysterectomies, right? We don't actually know when they're quote-unquote in menopause. We're just kind of guessing based upon any symptoms or their age, or you can get some labs uh, checked. Okay. I'm a 60 year old lady who's extremely healthy, but not on any medications and have been on one milligram of estradiol for 10 years. My doctor just took me off because it's time, question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, My hair is falling out and intercourse is painful. I had my uterus removed 10 years ago. Help if you will and thank you. There's no time, that's old thinking. So new guidelines say if you're feeling uh, good on them, if they're working well, if you continue to be low risk, you don't have to stop hormones. So I would go back in uh, fight for your case or find a second opinion, there's no reason that you have to stop because you're 60, especially 60 and healthy, like rock on with your bad self, especially now that you're having symptoms, right? Um, intercourse is getting painful. I'd think about vaginal estrogen too, but I, my thought would be get back on the systemic if you can, because you're, there's no reason to stop. There's no guidelines that say age 60, you have to stop hormones now 62 and getting hot flushes in the libido this podcast is helpful awesome yes you guys you don't have to suffer it's amazing you don't have to suffer it is uh help is on help is on the way go see your doctor so let us figure it out if there's any more questions here here we go this is for, this is for the men I just listened to your podcast, had a question about the opposite problem of premature, then premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation. This is a good question, you guys. Um, It does eventually happen, but it takes them about a half an hour to an hour. And I have a hypertonic pelvic floor, endometriosis, vulvodynia, possibly lichen sclerosis, uh, or some other derm issue. And I'm prone to UTIs. So it's too much friction. No no kidding. Like I am validating you and I'm hearing you. Uh, It has been this way his whole life and it doesn't bother him. I've Googled the diagnosis to no end, but it seems doctors are only interested in helping men with the opposite problem." Okay, so this is important. Everybody takes whatever time they take to have ejaculation or orgasm. Like if, if he's not bothered by it, he might not want to change that, right? Like if he is enjoying the whole process, God bless. But here's where you have the power. You don't have to have that in your vagina for a half an hour to an hour because it causes you pain. And there's absolutely no reason for that. So be like, what do we need to get you to where you need to be so we can be in the vagina for only like three minutes or how much I can tolerate. So whether it is, there's these amazing toys that are like fake vaginas, things I have not done podcasts on. Um, One's called like the flesh wand, like a flashlight. But anyways, um, there's many, many things that stimulate or simulate the um, experience of intravaginal intercourse without that. So whether it's hands or toys or oral sex or whatever it might be, figure that out to give him pleasure. But under no circumstance should you be doing anything that's causing you pain or disinterest in sex. Like, don't wonder where this lady's desire is if every time they want to be intimate, she has to put up with pain and friction and discomfort for a half an hour to 60 minutes like absolutely no she might she probably has no libido it's not it's not what's comfortable and good for her so respecting what he needs but also at the same time respecting what you need so you both have equal agency and saying what's a hell yes and what's a hell no in that situation so probably going to take some conversations probably going to be a little uncomfortable if you haven't talked about that but just be like listen i can't walk five miles at this point in my life my body really i like walking one mile but not five miles what can we do to get you to enjoy the rest of the walk or do get you pleasure without it being in my pelvis which just cannot take it at this point so we have to preserve her desire for intimacy and this is very very important so that's what i would think about more than like how to make him come faster is like what does he need that doesn't cause you pain um sex therapy can help um some people are just born that way It just takes them longer just like I would never say there's anything wrong with a woman taking 25 minutes to have an orgasm it's not my job to make her have an orgasm in eight minutes right like that's what her body needs that she's happy with that don't stress her out don't try to make it go faster but let's do it in a way that everybody likes and is not causing people pain so I hope that works All right, guys, I love you so much. That was a good deal of questions. Nice 41-minute podcast. I will have this uploaded tomorrow. God bless. Happy New Year. Think about 2022. What do you want to do? Think about pleasure in your life, not just sex, but music and, and scenery and nature and reading and yoga and body work and moving your body. Exercise is such a loaded a loaded word right but like moving your body listening to what your body needs think about 2022 what you want to do with intention everything you do in your life you can incorporate into you as a sexual being and your sexuality so think about that i love you i'll see you in the new year and god bless